Uh, let's just take this afternoon. Let's just take a few minutes and look at a parallel passage of what we looked at in uh, Matthew 7. So we're going to go to Luke 13. And this is a uh, the Luke's account of what he talks about similarly to what Matthew talks about in Matthew 7. And it regards a man who asked Jesus a question uh, that uh, is obviously the title of what we're looking at tonight, Will Only a Few Be Saved? And this is all in regards then to the idea of Matthew 7.14 saying that only a few find the gate. I don't have any questions or any, any uh, talking points at the end, but if you, if we'll take some time if you want to share something that, that uh, maybe uh, that you've, you get out of the, either one of these passages, or uh, if you have a question or something, I'll try to answer that. There's a lot that's left on the cutting floor uh, when, when uh, we come to Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons. But uh, if, you have a, if you have a question or an extra comment, I'd love to hear your comments. I've already heard a few people talk about uh, their, their take on these, on these passages, very familiar passages. Well, let's read a little bit of Luke 13, and we'll begin in verse number 22, and we'll read down to verse number 30. Luke 20, 13, 22 says, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there a few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will, enter to, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, and hath shut to the door, and he began to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall he begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and now hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first, and there are first which shall be last. And so some of the things that Jesus talked about in Matthew 7, we see replayed here in Luke 13, as well as some of the things that he will continue to talk about, what we'll look at next Sunday, that that, uh, he addresses here. But looking at this man's question, will only a few be saved? Because Matthew 7.14 says that there be few that find the gate, the, the narrow gate. It's a it's a it's a hidden gate. It's a it's not an obvious one. It's the it's the one that uh, that, that kind of show and it shows us there that you you don't decide that you want to go to heaven all on your own. God has to uh, give you give. We only get to go to heaven because God makes that available to us. We didn't say, "Hey God, uh, you figure out a way to get me saved." It was it was God's plan from the very beginning, and He by grace brings us to find that gate. And so this man, what I think is a pretty good question, asks this uh, is to Jesus, will only a few be saved? And it seems like you should be able to figure out the answer pretty easily because of what Jesus said before, that, that, uh, well, for us to figure that out, because he said that only a few are going to even find this gate. But he's, he asks a question here, since the gate is narrow, will that mean that many will not be saved? But what, I want to look at Jesus' response here, and there's, there's kind of three, broke it down in three different ways, and he says more than what we'll cover tonight. But Jesus doesn't answer his question particularly. He doesn't say yes or no. Notice how he turns it. The man is going to ask about others, and Jesus turns it back to him. And so Jesus says, firstly, number, uh, number one, make sure you enter. There's the imperative, very similar to what we looked at in this morning's passage. Uh, enter 
the straight gate. Enter the, the narrow gate. Whereas here he says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. It's the narrow one. Make the, find the narrow door. Find the, the narrow one. Strive to enter. You strive to enter. And so instead of, hey, is everybody going to make it or is there only going to be a few? Jesus says, well, you make sure you enter. Really doesn't really matter how many people get in if I don't get in. Uh, it doesn't really matter if many are saved or few are saved. If I'm not one of them, what's the consolation? And so Jesus says here, you strive to enter. He said in John 10, verse 7, I am the door. I'm the entrance. So make sure that you get in. Make sure that you're, you're not looking for too much to other people and trying to decide if they're going to enter in. You make sure that you find the door and strive to enter in at the door. It's a curious word that he uses there. What I'm not really, uh, I was not very successful in trying to, you know, unpack that the, the meaning behind that verb there to, to strive to enter in, because it it, it implies struggle and work in order to be saved. Uh, but I'm, I'm not prepared to say anything about that really. Uh, Jesus says in John 14:6 that He is the way, and He is the truth, and He is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And so again. Don't worry about what other people are doing. What are you doing? It's just like when we were kids, or some of you still are. Uh, you know, when your mom tells you, when you say, hey, well, everyone else is doing it. And mom said, well, everybody else jumped off a bridge. Would you go and do it? Or, you know, like, well, if there was chocolate cake there, I would. You know, that's what I want in the first place or whatever. Uh, you know, the, we, we tend to want to do what everyone else is doing or not do something because everyone else is not doing it. And Jesus is isolating it here to one single solitary man and saying, okay, you make sure that you enter. Now, he says in John 17.3 that this is eternal life to know the true God in Jesus Christ. If you want life, you have to know God. You have to know Him through Jesus Christ. And then lastly, John also writes in his letter, his first letter, he that hath the Son hath life. So there's a very distinct connection between uh, Jesus in life, and don't miss it while you're trying to figure out these hypotheticals. Well, there are going to be a lot saved or a few saved. What about you? Are you saved? And it's really, yeah, we should be focused on other people. We should be looking to getting the world the gospel, but it needs to. I need to get it myself. I need to make sure I've got it. And 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 that's really the the focus of this morning, and it'll be the focus for the next two Sundays as we look in in these passages. In Matthew, and it's the focus of this. Uh, what about you? You know, it's not—it's not a bad thing to ask yourself those questions and to make sure: Am I in Christ? And, and it's not to get people to doubt who truly are saved. It's to shake up the people who think they are and aren't. It's to get the people who have grown up in this place or grown up in a church that somehow slipped through the cracks. The, but they didn't slip down through the cracks. They kind of slipped up through the cracks. And they find themselves in a congregation, but they're not believers. Jesus talks about in the parable of, of the wheat and the tear that they they're, they don't belong there, but they got there. And they're not the same. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that looks like everybody else, but in the end, when Jesus is separating the sheep and the goats and the wheat and the tares, and I'm on the wrong end of that. Uh, and, and for a long time, personally for me, that was a, that was a tough thing for me to... I wanted to make sure I got this right. I did not want to assume and then get there. And you know, I could be wrong on a lot of things, but I didn't want to be wrong about this. And and, and it's very healthy for us to 
know that we are in Christ and know that we are on the right road. And Jesus is, is focusing on this man, number one, make sure you enter. Now what he says in verse number in 24 and 25, the end of verse 24 and 25, is kind of contrary, seemingly, to what you might have, have heard before. He says there in the verse 24, uh, I say unto you, uh, uh, many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. Now, in, in, in Matthew 7.14, he said, enter at the straight gate. But now he says that there's going to be many who try to enter in but can't. First of all, not even many find the gate. And then now it seems that he's saying that many are going to find the gate and not going to be able to enter in. Why not? Well, he goes on and he explains, when once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the, to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he shall answer and say, I uh, say unto you, I know not when she are. So there will be a time when it is simply too late to enter through the door. There will be people standing outside of the right door, and yet we'll have no more time, no more chances, no more opportunities to be saved. Now Jesus says in John 6.37 that all the Father uh, gives me will come to me, and those who come to me I will never cast out. But here he's saying that there will be people who try to come, but they won't let him, he won't let them in. Why? Because they waited too long. Some will come too late and they won't be able to enter. And notice what he says here, or what they say here. They're saying, they're calling him Lord. It's very similar to the language that we read as we continue reading in Matthew's sermon, uh, Matthew's uh, version of the sermon, that uh, says, Many will say in that day to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we uh, do many wonderful works in your name? We cast out demons in your name. And, and Jesus says, I never knew you. And that's what they're doing here. They're calling him Lord, open to us. Knocking on the door, hey, what, what happened? Let us in. Lord, you're, you're the Lord. And he says, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you come from. And, and, and there's, so there's an urgency here to both enter ourselves, but also the warning others that there's a limited time. Now, we don't know how long that time is going to be. It could be uh, for the rest of our lifetime, and it could be long after all of us are gone. It could be before we finish this day out. We never know, and each person has a, a, a different amount of time. You know, the Bible says, appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And so if, if a person is, is going to be, uh, to be saved, it's, it's not going to happen on the other side of this life. It's going to happen now. And the, there's, so there's an urgency that we say, well, if you, that's why I say this morning, if you find the door, go through the door. Because not many even find it. Here, many will find it too late. And it will be too late, and they won't be able to enter in simply because they waited too long. I'm reminded of the ten virgins story. Five brought, five brought oil, five did in, and, and uh, they couldn't share. And it was symbolic of salvation there. You can't give yours to someone else. You don't share it. But you have what you need. And, and they didn't, and they couldn't go in. Why? Because they missed their opportunity. And, and the, so we see that there's an urgency here, not only for ourselves, but then also uh, that we need to tell others. And then lastly, the third one here is that nothing else matters if you don't enter. Nothing else matters unless, unless you first enter the gate. Think about it, what he says in verse 26. Then shall you, say to begin to, shall you begin to say, so this is after they're shut out. We've eaten and drunk in thy presence and, have ta and you taught in our streets. There's two things you're saying. First of all, we spent time with you. We ate with you. We drank with you. We we partied with you. We got to know you. 
You don't know who we are? We ate at your house. You ever do that? You, you know, you've, you, you, maybe you're the person who forgets or someone else is the person that forgets who you are, and you're like, we had lunch together. We sat in school together. How do you not know who I am? <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's hard to process that, but what Jesus is saying, you're not, you didn't go in the gate. I, don't, I only know those who are in the gate and uh, who go through that door. And so though you ate with me, though you spent time with me, think about all the people. Think about no, no one is without excuse, okay? Paul is correct in when he says that you know, we are all without excuse. But think specifically about the people that witnessed the person of Jesus Christ walking along this earth and seeing the miracles that he performed and, and, and hearing these words instead of simply reading these words. And I don't, I don't want to detract from us having to, only having the written word of God, but I just I feel like you should be able to there should be something there that's like, this is different than everything else. And there's a hardness of heart that protects us from, that prevents people from seeing that, that stuff. But they see the miracles and they hear these things and they're watching dead people come to life. And then, I mean, they're seeing the whole Old Testament unfold in Jesus Christ and they don't go in. They don't enter the door. And, and, it, and it's, it doesn't matter if you ate with him. It doesn't matter if he healed your son. <laughs> you didn't enter the door. You're not getting in. But then, and then he says, also, you taught in our streets. We heard you teach. You were in our town. I, I went to the camp meeting that you were preaching at. And, and, I, and I, to put it into this day and time, you know, I, I belong to the church. I, I went to that church. And, and, I, and I, I, was, I, I served in the church. And I did these things. But if you don't enter the door, what did it matter? Nothing else matters. There is no extra credit work. When I was a, when I was working in a school setting, about the month before school is out, I'd always get a handful of kids that would come to me and be like, hey, is there any extra credit I can do to raise my grade up? I'm like, well, what about all the normal credit that I gave you all year long that you didn't do? Why don't you do your homework? <laughs> you know, if you, why don't you study for all the other tests and not ask to do this one thing? I didn't like giving extra credit because I felt if you did, if you were supposed to do, then you don't need the extra stuff. And that's kind of what these people are saying. Well, well, Jesus, is there any extra credit here? I mean, we heard you teach. Doesn't that count for anything? No. Well, we ate with you. Does that count for anything? No. What counts? Did you enter the door? Did you strive to enter the narrow gate? That's the only thing that matters. So listening to a sermon, associating and fellowshipping with God's people is not does not mean you have entered. These people heard they ate, they taught, or they heard him teach, they ate with him, they drank with him, and yet they stayed outside. And so everything that we knew or everything that we heard before up to this point will not matter unless we enter the gate. Again, and I, and I felt like I could have gone over and over on this this morning, but I, I didn't want to keep us any longer than we needed to. And I'm not trying to get people to doubt if they're... In the, if they're saved or not, if they're one of the saved. I'm not trying to get anybody to think that. I'm not trying to complicate salvation. What I'm trying to do is make sure that each of us know where we stand. Are you in the right gate? Is it because you feel that way or do you have some concrete, this is how I know I'm in Christ? That's why we have a church. We affirm salvation uh, through our testimony, through uh, the fruit, as we'll look at the next the next par- uh, paragraph in Matthew, uh, the fruit that is that is observed in our in our lives. If there's no fruit, if there's no narrowness up to our way, there's no foundation. 
How can we say that we are following Christ? How can we say that we're truly in Christ when none of the things that He says will follow us are present in our lives? Because then we we become like those people that didn't do any of the work all year long. We didn't try, and then we want to show up at the end and enjoy the benefits, and then we get mad because, hey, why won't you let me in? What you know, there's there's there was there's a specific, there's a right and there's a wrong. And in our culture today, we don't like to have the right and wrong and well if I tell him he's wrong, it'll make him feel bad, you know? And and you know, numbers on a on a test, uh, you know, I don't want to get a, a fail a failing grade, an F. So I put a uh, you know, these ambiguous grades that don't really mean anything because I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Jesus is not worried about making people feel bad. He's saying, Strive to enter the narrow gate, check the gate. Check where you are. Check your way. What was the gate like that you went in? Was it? Are you basing everything on some prayer that you said? Are you basing everything on some church that you became a part of? Are you basing everything on um, your heritage, that your mom and your dad and your grandparents or whatever it may be? What about you? What have you seen? And the Bible is very clear that when we are in Christ, we will begin to see changes we will begin to see fruit now it's going to look different for all of us uh, so some of you have grown up in church and you know nothing else than living in a church setting so you don't have a drunken past where you were a criminal and you were a, a, a cheat and a thief and then christ miraculously saved you and now it's like so night and day different some of maybe some of you do i don't know but uh, some of us don't have that but there is still fruit that should be appearing there is still uh, a narrowness to our way. Uh, and, and, and I wanted to take some time this morning to explain, and I just felt like I couldn't adequately explain it, that I don't mean that the, the way is hard and gruesome and you're never going to have any... Because when we think hard and difficult, we think it's not going to be fun. But it's quite the opposite. Jesus says in Matthew, that come to me and I'll give you rest. So there, it's difficult, but there's rest. Uh, there's still joy. There is still peace. There's still, nobody that is on the true journey, on the true path, is like, man, I should have chose the other one. This is just too hard. Nobody does that. Uh, if you're on it, you're on it, and you have, and there's something, there's, this is called the grace of God. It's the Spirit of God that leads us into that. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't make sense to do the things that Christ calls us to do unless we had something changed on the inside, on, within us. So, will only be a few, few be saved? Well, he doesn't really answer that kind of direct indirectly answers it make sure you are make sure you get uh get into the gate uh, because there will become a time when it will be too late and nothing else matters unless you enter